Today we make a little history by introducing Scotty Walden as the 21st head coach in Austin P football history. At 30, Walden is the youngest head coach in Division I football and makes Austin P the latest stop on a meteoric journey from being a 22-year-old graduate assistant slash offensive coordinator to now helming a program with aspirations to repeat as Ohio Valley Conference champions for the first time in history. At every stop, Coach Walden's offense has put up crazy amounts of points, playing an entertaining and up-tempo style of football. What he's bringing to Clarks will be unlike anything we've ever seen and gives us all something to look forward to between now and the 150 or so days until his head coaching debut. Coach Walden, welcome. Hey, I'm fired up to be here. Thanks for having me. Really excited. We'll get to all the football stuff in a second, but first, <laughs> we got to talk about pro wrestling. <laughs> have to. Where did the love begin? Well... I really started, uh, so I, I remember it, this thing is uh, ni- 1995, so I guess I was like six, seven years old at that time around there, and I remember watching, uh, you know, kind of getting into Monday Night Raw, stuff like that, and it just kind of took off, and then I remember watching my first pay-per-view, because uh, my, my mom and I, we'd, it was kind of like our thing to watch watch pro wrestling, and so she, she would get me, like, we did not miss a pay-per-view for years, I mean, like month after month, we didn't, I mean, I can't remember, there was like a span, had to be a span of five to seven years maybe even more seriously that we didn't miss a pay-per-view i mean that was like our thing and so uh the very first one was uh so i'm in a survivor series when sean michaels who's my that's my favorite wrestler of all time he uh he he fought psycho sid and lost and i remember just like i mean i was like i was six years old i, mean, I was bawling my eyes out and she was like if you keep crying i'm not gonna buy any of these pay-per-views anymore so i said <laughs> i said yes ma'am and so uh, i was better after that and she Gave me the scoop that, hey, you know, there's a storyline to this and all that. I didn't understand it at the time, but uh, I get it now. But uh, it was really cool, and, and it, was, it, was, uh, it was awesome how it started. What was your favorite era? Is the Attitude Era, the new gen, reality? A- attitude, attitude, by far. Yeah, by far. There's nothing like it. Yeah, nothing like it. Favorite underrated wrestler? Underrated wrestler? Yeah, guy that never quite got over. Man, you know, that's a great question. Like I said, my favorite Shawn Michaels. I know he got over. Um, you know, a guy who I think is really underrated that – he got over. I mean, he as I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer still, but I just always felt like he wasn't as popular as a, I don't want to say popular, but just never got that like the Rock status or Shawn Michaels status. Those guys is, is Chris Jericho. I think I think he uh, I think he was always. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's he's had an amazing career, but I just always felt like you know there was a couple like Stone Cold. Those guys were just so big, and he was kind of a next tier below. And I thought I I, I I just I think he's amazing on the microphone, and I oh, think yeah. he's uh, I think he's really talented. Are you bringing the posters back to the head coach's office? <laughs> I might. I've thought about it. I've thought about it. You know, that's an interesting story. So when it happened to ETBU, my – so I was raised – my 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 mom and my, my grandmother, you know, really, really, you know, they, they were the ones that, that raised me. My, 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 my dad lived in East Texas, and, and we saw each other every now and then, but but my – grandma was uh just instrumental in raising me and she so she passed away when uh Callie and I were um on our on our honeymoon in in July 2014 so we came back and uh that was actually those posters my one of my buddies who was on the coaching staff at ETBU to make me feel better hung those up for me and the uh, they had they hung those up in the office for me just kind of as a a you know feel better but you know buddy and I, I appreciated that that was a really cool gesture so that, that's why th- those, those those always stick out to me you know kind of deeper but that but uh but it was awesome so but they but they might have to go back up they might have to go back up I think it'd be pretty cool to have them mm-hmm. hanging up in your office no doubt everything I've read about you the offensive philosophy mm-hmm. is just unlike anything else we see in mm-hmm. college football right now can you kind of lay it out for me yeah so um it all started you know like I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. I always grew up watching Mike Leach in Texas Tech, and started to become enamored with the air raid. But at the same time, uh, you know, just the course of years of learning, you know, I really, you know, 
feel like you have to be able to run the football to win championships and to, to, to win, uh, you know, on a consistent basis. And so, because I never wanted to be one-dimensional. I love throwing the football, but I never want to be one-dimensional. So I fell in love with Rich Rodriguez uh, at West Virginia when he had Pat White, Steve Slayton, and uh, those guys, th th those guys to me, what they were doing with the zone read stuff, really intrigued me. And so I always wanted to find a way to blend the worlds. And uh, so started, uh, you know, when I, when I was blessed with the opportunity. Now, before this, before I was the OC at Sol Ross, uh, you know, I, I was just a big, you know, kind of gym rat, if you will, in terms of whether it's watching film or drawing plays. I, I got just notebooks on notebooks, just drawing plays and plays that don't make sense. And then some make sense. And then you just kind of compile them together and just trying to figure out a way. And mainly they were run plays because I knew that was my weakness. You know, I needed to learn and uh, figuring out why to block this. And then I talked with several coaches in the profession, obviously, when I got in it, that really helped me out. But I wanted to blend the worlds. And so uh, when we developed the offense uh, back at Sol Ross, it was, uh, you know, it was pieces uh, and mixtures of both uh, of both systems and trying to get it. Uh, and then it just kind of took off from there and it's evolved every year. I think the big thing in our offense is, uh, you know, we're it is a systematic approach, uh, but you're not confined to the system, meaning that it can always evolve. And I think that's something in college football that you have to have because defenses are too good. They've caught up to. Uh, tempo they've caught up to a lot of things and I think that you always got to stay ahead of the curve and that's one thing that I took back from the kids that I've coached at, at ETBU is you know coach you were we were always changing every year not changing the core and changing our offense but evolving to where we were trying to stay a step ahead uh, of the curve and so uh, but but it's a brand of football it's really fun uh, it's, it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of detail and uh, and a lot of execution but it's a lot of fun when it gets rolling. You're putting up 50, 60 points, 500 yards every single day. I mean, it's got to be just the most entertaining thing. Win, lose, draw, it's just got to be entertainment. It's very it's very entertaining because, uh, you know, we, we, we coach with high energy and our offensive staff and our, our defensive staff will as well. But we, we will coach with higher energy and we will coach with passion. And I think that's a part of it too, you know, and I think it permeates to the kids and then they're going to play with passion and, and, and play with the great energy. And, and it kind of just adds to the uh, – to the to, to the offense as well and, and again it's all about belief and, and making our, sure our guys believe in what they're doing and and believe in one another and when you get all that kind of meshed together and go in that that same direction it becomes you know infectious pace and tempo or scheme what is more important to your overall offensive philosophy in, in my opinion uh in my opinion pace and tempo for this reason i've always believed offensive football is all about finding that rhythm and pace doesn't mean that you can't have, you know, good scheme. It doesn't mean that you should be running, you know, if they got seven guys in the box, you're running inside zone. It's probably not going to be a good play call, right? And sometimes we get caught in that. So don't get me wrong. We want to be and, and put our players in the best position to be successful with our play calls. But I know that in, just in my experience that the, the rhythm and the pace and just the flow matter so much more on game day because when that quarterback gets that first completion and he starts to slowly get in that rhythm, you know, it doesn't matter, really matter what they're in. I feel like once we get in that pace and we get in that groove that, you know, we can start maneuvering the ball down the field. And I just think the rhythm and the pace is, is more, uh, you know, I important than the scheme. Not that the scheme is less important. I mean, we're, we're going to make, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's kind of a stigma with tempo offenses that people just, you know, call plays and, you know, whatever, you know, well, we're going to make conscious, we're going to call plays fast and we're going to get plays in fast, but we're going to make a conscious effort to attack the style of defense that we're seeing as well. 
the perfect plays drill. Are you bringing that back? Yeah, it's got to happen for it. To, it's got to happen for the system to work. It's a core principle of the system. Yeah. Explain what it is. It's just a uh, it's a chaotic drill where we're trying to create a unrealistic pace because and it goes back to what I was just talking about. The system, the the offense cannot be just tempo. That's not good enough in college football. You can't just play fast and have no execution. So we want to. We have a philosophy where because I think tempo is a part of what people do. But that's like it, to me, it's a program philosophy, and it's an offensive. It's an offensive. It's a whole offensive thing. It's not that these set of plays we only tempo. To me, your whole playbook should be able meant to, to be, be meant to play fast, exactly. And so your system has to match that. So the the terminology of it, uh, all those things. But the the point of the drill is perfect plays. And so the 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 premise of the drill is not to just run plays fast, but the, how fast can we perfectly execute those plays? And so when you develop the execution with the tempo, then I think you become lethal. If you just tempo and, and there's no coaching going on, it's like, oh, he, oh we, he took a wrong step. Oh, well, no, 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 not oh, well. If we got to get it, practice, I, I kind of go back to that Michael Jordan philosophy, man. Practice has always got to be harder than the games. The games ought to be easy. And that's what we're trying to create in the perfect pleasure. It's a chaotic, accountable drill uh, where, you know, we're going to put the clock on them. Every position coach is going to be watching their position. If there's a thumbs down right after that play, I mean, the, the, the whole offense is, is, is up down, you know, and it's a, it's a fast-paced uh, drill that's, again, chaotic. There's got to be uh, a lot of – there's a lot of involved. There is no standing around. There is no uh, guys that are, that are watching. But the whole premise of the drill is to get the execution with the tempo. It's not just about the tempo. It's about the execution uh, of our plays as well. You're a really, really high-energy guy, which mm -hmm. I'm hoping is coming across here over the mic. I think mm -hmm. it is. Uh, but you do it without <laughs> coffee. How? Yeah. I just – you know, like, my, my problem is this, man. Like, I, uh, I'm just – I'm not a big coffee drinker now. You know, I'm, I'm just a, I, I, the creamer, man. I'm, I'm a huge creamer guy. So, my wife gets on my butt because I always, you know, drink the creamer other than, rather than the coffee. That's, I'm just like, I, I got a sweet tooth. So, that's, that's my deal. But, uh, no, I, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's – it's just one of those deals where I just – that's who I am. I mean, that's, that's, who, that's who I am. I, I just believe in everything that you do in life. you got to have passion for it. I don't care if you're a, uh, a banker or you're an actor, you're a janitor. It doesn't matter what you – I just I – just, I think you should have passion in what you do. And I think if you don't, then I think, you know, that you need to really question what, uh, you know, what your profession is or, or what, whatever you're doing because it's obviously probably not the right thing if you don't have a passion for it. And I just have a passion for football. I have a passion for kids and being around them every day and uh, getting a pouring to them just like a coach poured into me and uh you know that just naturally comes out but I just think God's called us to 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 live with 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 passion and energy and and and, and seeking to inspire you know other people and uh you know that's just that's just who I am at 30 obviously your youth is going to be one of the things that comes up first when people talk about you mm -hmm. What are the pros and cons of being the youngest head coach in Division One football? Yeah, obviously um, there's a lot of things that come with that. And I've noticed over my career, and I've really adapted this, that, uh, you know, just a, a lot of coaches will judge you off, you know, your age. And uh, and I, and it took me a while. Like when I got the job at ETBU, I was – that was really – like at Sol Ross, don't get me wrong, I was, that was my first job and I was 22. But we had, you know, our staff was – 
uh, they kind of had like no choice but to accept me because you know we were, I was kind of all we had. You know, I mean, there's only two full time coaches on that staff, and that was the head coach in the DC, and I was a GA, and so we had other GAs and volunteers that were helping me. So we were all just kind of like, hey, let's do this. When I got to ETBU, that was kind of the first real college football setting in terms of a staff where you had veteran coaches, you had people that had been a lot of places, and uh, I had to go in there and kind of win them over. And a lot of times it was like, well, hey, we've you know, this is how I've done it, and this is how, you know, we've done it. I'm not sure that's, you know, right or, or whatever. And, 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 and you just have to go in there. It, it taught me a lot. It made me better because it made me realize that there's so many other ways to, to do things, and you have to be settled in, in your way and have an identity of what you want to do. And so there's a, there's a lot of pros and cons with it. Uh, you know, the, the, I guess the, the positive side of it, it's, um, you know, it's just it's, it, it's, it, it is a good deal for – younger coaches to show them that you know age doesn't matter I don't believe age matters I mean just my my point of view on it your actions matter who you are matters that that's what matters and, and who cares about your age and uh you know that's just a number you know in my opinion I don't think you should be defined by your age I don't think a 24 year old coach should say well I'm just young and so that's why you know I'm doing this no I mean and if that's who you are it's who you are you know be you but at the end of the day age shouldn't define uh you know, how good of a coach you are or how mature you are or anything like that. It's just a number at the end of the day. So your actions and who you are matter more. Um, the cons of it, of course, is everybody's going to, you know, think that, uh, oh, this guy's just high energy and there's no substance to it and stuff like that. And I, and I, you know, that's what I take pride in because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care how old I am or what I look like or anything like that. I'm a ball coach. I mean, I'm a ball coach. I'm going I'm to study tape. We're going to coach the fundamentals and the details. That's not just stuff we talk about. That's stuff that we're intentional about. And it's funny to me, you know, how a lot of people, you know, view young coaches as just all this day and age, just high energy and, uh, you know, they, and there's no – they don't know ball or nothing like that. And, I, you know, I find that funny because I take pride in knowing the X's and O's and studying the game and knowing the details and fundamentals. That's what I take pride in. And, uh, you know, it's not just – you know, when, when you come to practice, a lot of people see the outside. They just see – the energy and us running around yelling, screaming, but they don't see the substance. They don't see the meetings. They don't see the time, the hour, countless hours spent in the film room, studying opponents, studying an offense, uh, you know, as a staff conversing and getting a great plan together. They don't see all that side of it. They just see the energy on oh, these guys, you know, I think, and I'm talking just young guys in general. I think they view it as uh, they're just young guys running around. They don't know what they're doing, which is a fallacy, in my opinion. You know, I think there's a lot of guys out there that are really good ball coaches that you can you know, have a great knowledge of the game, and you can go coach that game with great passion and energy. Well, there's also some uh, quite a bit of stake to your sizzle as well because, I mean, you've been an AFC 35 under 35 coach. You've gone to these clinics, and hundreds of people are packing into these rooms to hear your philosophy. So yeah. people respect what you've got to say already regardless of age, right? Yeah, I, I think so, and, I, and, and I'm, I've just been really less unfortunate to be, uh, you know, to, to get to take part in things like that and, and recognize, you know, I know there's a lot of great coaches out there. I know that, you know, that, that may not have had that recognition, but I know that they're they're just as good as coaches as me. And, and I've just been really fortunate and blessed to be around the right people. But yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, people respect your, again, your actions and, and what you're about and, and not just, especially when they see the, the, uh, you know, the substance behind your energy, you know, they see that there's, there's more, than just energy there you know what I mean there's there's you know there, there's a ball coach there you know and I think people respect that and I, and I think the way you treat people man I think regardless of your age if you treat people the right way and you you uh you know because like I've never gone into a situation where I've had an older coach on staff where I've said uh what well, man that that guy he's just old school and I'm not gonna listen no, I've 
I'm very intentional about listening to everybody on our staff. And even, uh, I mean, the, the best coach, the coach that helped me learn all line plays, a guy named Dennis Darnell that, that I emailed when I got the job at Sol Ross. I emailed hundreds of coaches and two people responded, Cliff Kingsbury and Dennis Darnell. And Cliff Kingsbury was Texas A&M at the time. And we tried to set up a meeting for me for me to come down and meet with him. D- didn't materialize at that time, but later on in, in my career, got the I'd, I'd drive up to Texas Tech every year and, and just sit down. And he, you know, as high profile as he is, the most humble dude you'll ever meet. And so appreciative of him allowing. He didn't just do it for me; he did it for other coaches too. Like just allowing them to come up and, and learn and just sit in meetings. And it was, you know, un- and that really showed me that man, no matter how high profile you get or what job you get, always give back. You know, and that. That really struck a chord with me. And then Dennis Darnell at the time was the O-line coach at Texas State. He's now at, at Evangel University in Missouri, NAI school. He's the OC there. Phenomenal Christian man, older gentleman that just has been everywhere and done everything. And he really took, he took time. He told me if I drive, drive down to San Marcos, Texas, uh, is on a Saturday, he'd give me from 8 to 12. Uh, you know, that morning on on a Saturday that in the spring where he could have just been with his wife, you know, and, and hanging out. But he, he felt his calling was to give back to younger coaches. And we knew we knew we didn't know each other from Adam. And I drove out to San Marcus and we sat down from eight to 12. And he uh, went over not only online play, but also just gave me f- just invaluable advice on how to go from being a player to a coach and what I needed to do, in or, you know, in order to do that. And so um that was really, really uh, a, a key moment for my career to where I, I learned that regardless of age, if it's an older gentleman, an older coach, doesn't matter. They got wisdom, man. Listen to them. You know, listen to them. Take, th- there's something that you can find in there. Don't just brush guys off and think that, oh, they're old school, whatever. I want to listen to everybody and get to learn, take a piece from everybody and fold it into my own. And so uh, that's, been, that's been great uh, for, for me. Your path as a player from Dort to Harden Simmons to Silver Ross, uh, obviously it's more circuitous than a lot, but what did it teach you about the importance of fit, not only at the time for a player, but now as a coach? Yeah, it ta- taught me a lot about fit. Um, you know, I, there's one, one school in America, Dort College, and John Hevener was the head coach and starting the program, and he's, uh, he's a high school coach in, uh, at Denison High School right now in Texas, and um, phenomenal recruiter, great guy, and he was the only guy in America to give me a scholarship to play college football. So I said, shoot, I got to go check this out. And we went up to Iowa, and, uh, you know, I got to start as a true freshman. And my claim to fame is I led Dort College to their first win in school history. <laughs> and so that's my that's my claim to fame. It was an awesome experience. But I just wanted to get back to Texas, and it, it just wasn't a – you know, a fit. I was probably – you know, and to be honest, you know, I was young and immature, and, and I was – Hey, I, I need to get back to. I need to get back south. I don't need to be up here in Iowa. I need to get back closer to my my girlfriend, who's my wife now, um, and all that stuff. And I, you know, I, you know, probably, you know, again, I don't regret anything in my path. But you know, I could have stayed up there and been a four year starter and and had a great fun career, you know, and that would have been awesome. But I left, went to Harden Simmons, uh, got to Harden Simmons. Harden Simmons, a phenomenal program that I still take a lot from today. Jimmy Keeling is the head coach, uh, old school. Just, I mean, on that field, I mean, you you were button tight, man. You couldn't take a wrong step. He was on your tail. I mean, old school to a T taught me a ton. Hard. I mean, it was the hardest off seasons I've ever been through in my life, uh, and and the hardest practices. I mean, they, we we grinded, and uh, you know, and and that's why Harden Simmons is one of the top D three programs in the country, and they do it the right way. And I've taken a lot from that program. Learned the uh, the, the the no huddle procedure you know, at Harden-Simmons that, that we still use aspects of. Uh, and then 
went to uh, you know wasn't getting an opportunity to play and so I wanted I, I just wanted to play and so transferred to Sol Ross State University um in Alpine Texas uh where you know it's you know Alpine if you out in the middle of nowhere it's in the desert mountains uh there's a, there's just God and you out there you know and it's a, it's a cool it's a cool <laughs> place though man it is a I love Alpine Texas the closest Walmart's two hours away uh I mean it is a, there is not a stoplight in town there's a there's a, one of those blinking yellow lights in town and some stop signs that's all you got and I mean there it is you better be doing you, you got football and you got school that's really all you got and it, for me it was a great getaway because I just I mean it was just ball man I mean I could just I could go I'd play ball I'd do my classes and then when I started coaching it was just ball all the time drawing up plays everything I mean you had nothing else to do and uh, but phenomenal people out in that little town, man, and awesome place. I'll never forget it. And showed me just that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you go. It just matters what you do with your opportunities. And we had a great, we had a lot of success out there. And uh, that, I, you know, I believe God put me there because he was ready to get, you know, I was going to get an opportunity there at an early age to coach. And at 22 years old, became the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, and, and I don't think I get that an opportunity anywhere else in America and very, very fortunate to, to start my career there. The transition from playing to not just coaching, not just being on the staff, but being the offensive coordinator overnight, basically. Yeah. What was that like? It, very difficult, but I'll say this. I go back to my Dennis Darnell conversation, and he made it clear. He, he thought it was very important that I drew the line in the sand with the players that I'm not – you know, I'm not your not your friend anymore. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm, excuse me. I'm not your buddy anymore. I, I use the term when I talk to them that, guys, I'm I'm not, I'm not your buddy. I am your friend because I care about you, and I want you to know that I do still care about you. But the, we can't be buddy buddy. This thing's gonna work. And everyone in that room wanted to win. They were tired of losing, and they were tired of just being stagnant on offense. And I told them that the only way this is gonna work, we draw the line in the sand right now. It's my very first meeting ever with the offense. I'll never forget it. And because uh, I, I, I remember writing, had a piece of paper and I wrote down what I was going to say, uh, which I didn't say half of it. You didn't, it always works out that way. But I remember spending hours just what I was going to say, what I was going to say. But the crook, the biggest thing I got across to the guys was we're going to draw the line in the sand right now and understand I'm your coach now. And I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not the guy that played with you last year. If this is going to work and if there's not a respect level, and I was very clear. And I just think when you're upfront and honest with kids, I think they 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 respect that, and they know if the people know where they stand, then then they they respect that. If there's gray area, then I think that's where things go haywire. And these guys understood where I was coming from. That this guy wants to win, he wants to to take this thing to a new level. And you know what? If it's gonna work, we're gonna have to buy in and understand that you know he's gonna coach us hard. And who cares? You know him as a player, and, and they let me coach them hard. I, my, I I don't know if I've ever been harder on a group of kids. There was times where, you know, we were running that perfect play drill. We had six old linemen, and we just had that one sub would just sub for for you know one just guy move just down. move down the list. Yep, left tackle, left guard, and just move down the list. And they didn't say nothing. They just did it. No scholarship. We're in the desert practicing on. There's the the, the grass is potholes. That it's turf now. They turfed it all now. It don't look like that now. But there are potholes. I mean, it's a a unbelievable just. Uh, surface that these guys had to practice on and but they did it every day so uh but I think we you know that line was was drawn clear in the sand for them early on and I think they respected that and that's why we were able to go forward with the success and have a lot of success how did you latch on with Josh Urgle in East Texas Baptist Josh Urgle uh totally a god thing totally a god thing uh phenomenal man uh I look at him I looked up to him as a, as a mentor in a lot of aspects uh you know 
Josh found me. So at Sol Ross, we got done that season, and we had one of the best seasons that they've had in a long time. But I think they kind of had a decision made where they were going to let go of our head coach, and they let go of him right when we got back from Christmas break. So I got introduced to coach in the hard way real quick that, uh, you know, this thing is, it, it, you know, it can change in a heartbeat. And so, uh, you know, he gets uh, Wayne Schrader, who gave me the opportunity. I'm forever grateful for uh he gets fired uh in january uh, of 2013 and uh and we and myself uh and, and a couple of volunteer coaches gas we ran the offseason program and those kids bought in and came in every single day and and came to work every morning and we ran the offseason program until about february josh ergo got the head job at east texas baptist and i didn't know i saw that he got the job didn't know him from anything did not reach out nothing and I get a call in my dorm room one night from a from a, a number in East Texas and uh it's Josh Ergel and he and he says uh you know I just got the head job right here and I was just you know and he told me honestly he's like honestly Scotty I was just rolling through stats of D3 and I saw you know Sol Ross State number one offense in the nation you know 581 yards a game and uh so I said all right who's the offensive coordinator and he's, he went to the, the coaching, uh, you know, uh, roster and saw that uh, it was me. But he it said offensive coordinator slash GA. And he was he said, honestly, I'm incredibly intrigued to figure out what the heck's going on out there. You're a GA and you're the OC. What's the deal? Are you running it? Was someone else calling it? What's the deal? And so I told him the deal. And, and you know, you could tell pretty quick we hit it off. We, we, we just had uh, – there's just a – we just had a lot of similarities in a lot of ways, and uh, uh, pretty soon I got out there and interviewed, and, and you could tell real quick it was going to be a, a really good match just for what he stood for and what I stood for, and he was going to let me run it. And I, I was real. this is something uh, I was incredibly blessed early in my career to have. I don't think a lot of people have. Is two coaches in Wayne Schrader and Josh Ergel uh, that just let me go. You know, they didn't micromanage me. They didn't say, hey, you better be running this play. They let me go. And Josh, uh, he let me go. He, he he gave me full control as a – and at that time I was 23 years old, and he just took his first head coaching job in his career. And, you know, looking on it now, I'm like, man, he, he – the amount of faith – at the time I didn't realize how the amount of faith he had in me because I don't know if I would have done that if – uh, if I was in his shoes, giving a 23-year-old the full reins, and he did that, and we won a conference championship and, and, and never looked back. And so uh, totally a God thing that he called me out of the blue, and I'm so blessed to, to be connected with him, and he's a great person. Tell me about the time y'all bought Ole Miss's locker room. <laughs> I give all the credit to Josh Ergel on that. He knew somebody there at Ole Miss, and, uh, you know, he, uh, <laughs> he just – we went up there to clinic with him, and they uh, – they had mentioned it, and he, he said, we take them because our lockers were uh, abysmal. When I say abysmal at ETBU, I mean, it was like they were like this, like, weird fuchsia color. Like, it was ugly, and just there was tile floor. And, I mean, I give I give Coach Ergo just all the credit in the world, man. He did a phenomenal job of getting that organized. He went to, it, We went out to Ole Miss, and they talked about it. And he, uh, you know, we they said they'd give them to us for a, a cheap rate, and we took them. And, uh they they literally put him on a truck, shipped him to Marshall, and I remember uh, they arrived and and he had us, uh, the coaching staff. We unloaded them. I mean that was like the hardest thing. I mean that was the hardest thing about ETB. It wasn't coaching. I'm the freaking put. We put together the locker room, and luckily like you know Ergo had a lot of uh, you know carpentry experience, and so we had O line coach uh, Lee Grimes that did too. And <laughs> I just followed their lead. Really, I freaking just I was just trying to put the lockers in the right place, wipe them down, and help out. I was just trying to make a hand. And uh, but he, but I give coach a ton of credit because we we got in that thing, and it it taught me the value of uh, 
you know, hey, you can do it yourself. You know, you, you can, you know, if you want to make something great, you can do it yourself. And I learned the value of that, you know, with him because uh, there was no administrator or anything that was going to do that for us. We had to go do it ourselves and got those things off the truck, put those bad boys in, and uh, and those lockers are still there today. And I think that's why, you know, ETBU's got one of the best locker rooms in the country for uh, for small college football. Coach Ergel leaves to come up here, take a job with us, and you become, at 25, the youngest head coach in all of college football. Mm -hmm transitioning from coordinator to head coach for the first time what yeah. was that like yeah it, it was hard it was hard it was uh you know my time at ETBU as the head coach was invaluable because I don't think I'd be as comfortable with the position as I am today and I felt that when I got promoted to Southern Miss uh you know I didn't have the same feelings that I had when I got promoted to ETBU because it was it was a lot. I mean, it was uh, conversations with administrators I've never had before. Um, it was just a different viewpoint on the program. Uh, you know, everybody. I, you know, my my, I I had to not that I didn't care for everybody in that program when I was the OC, but you know, typically you interact with your offensive guys, and then it, it just broadened the 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 horizon with, uh, you know, me understanding I've, I've I'm responsible for the whole team now, and that was, uh, you know, that was big, and and making sure those defensive guys felt like. Uh, you know, hey, th this guy, even though he's the OC, he cares about us too. And, and it took me a while f to figure out the best ways to show them that rather than just tell them that. Like li little things that, you know, like it's starting out and I look at it now, I'm like, you know, that was not smart. You know, like quarterback throws a pick in practice. I wasn't celebrating. I was getting on the quarterback, you know, or I was coaching the offense. Well, I'm the head coach now. I ought to be. You know, the beautiful thing about being the head coach is no matter who's winning in practice, you're winning. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just win. You know, who cares? It's defense, offense. And it wasn't that I didn't care. It was just, oh, I got to coach quarterback. Well, pretty soon I figured out, hey, man, you know, the, the, you know, go have some fun with it. So, like, when the, when, the, when the DBs would pick us off or when, you know, they get a fumble recovery, I'm, I started sprinting over there and celebrating with them and going nuts. You know what I mean? And that was, that was a big just transformation for me. I just had to figure a lot of things out, you know, and, and little things you don't think about. Um, so, it took me – I'll be honest with you, man. It, it took me three to four months to really feel comfortable being the head coach. And then I started to get in a groove of it, and I said, okay, here's my – because you start to learn a lot about yourself. You start to learn about your, 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 your identity and what you really stand for and – and it started to kind of all come together, you know, and I, I just think my time was invaluable there because if I don't have that time to figure those things out, iron those things out, I don't know that I'm in the position I am in today to where um, I have a, a much bigger comfort level for what I want and, and who I am. And so that was a, a, a very invaluable experience. You had to grow up really quickly as a head coach because you had some tragedy at ETBU where uh, two players unfortunately drowned. Mm -hmm. How – did you manage that just I, I can't even fathom it and no. I certainly couldn't fathom it no. when I was 25 yeah well there, there's 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 one thing and we actually you know at Southern Miss we did a uh, we do a we did a coach's chapel every Thursday morning and this actually came up last last week uh or two weeks ago I guess when we when we did the, the last one and uh I was talking about you know has there ever been a time where you know what what situation has God just ever just come in and save the day and there's one there's only one way I got through that situation and that was God there's there's no other way to explain it because uh when that happened to uh DJ McClintock and uh Trey Harrison uh you know there's and I and I've got to get up and speak to the team and and the media and 
things like that. I mean, there, there's no other way to get through something like that than relying on God. And that's the only way through. And um, those, those two guys always have a special place for their families. I still, we still keep them in touch to this day. Um, and ETB has done an amazing job of uh, honoring them with a statue and, and always remembering them. And, uh, but, but when that happened and, and the way it happened, uh, an unbelievable display of what it means to sacrifice and for brotherhood. I mean, you, you're talking about one guy trying to save another guy's life and, uh, just, just a, just a incredible, uh, incredibly difficult, uh, time and something that it really put things in perspective for me as, you know, you know, at that point, I didn't care about football. I didn't care about if we won a game or not. I didn't care about any of that. I just cared about these families and these kids, what they were going through. But I give those kids a ton of credit because they battled through the adversity just like we did as coaches, and they rallied, and they played that season for those two boys. And I'll never forget, I mean, just every week it was all about them too. And we never forgot them. We, we, we honor them, and I still don't forget them this day. And um, uh, that, it, you, you had to grow up fast. Had to grow up fast for sure. But I had great people around me that that, that helped me through it, and we all helped each other through it. But but there's only one way we got through that, and that was that was with uh, with, with the Lord. You go from ETBU to Southern Miss. Was there a shock in the level of the administrative task that you didn't have to do anymore? Very. It almost became easier in a sense. It was like, whoa, I'm a Division One coach, but this is kind of easier <laughs> because because you just you know you know you're not dealing with all, all those. You're not things. putting the locker room together. You're not putting the locker room together. No doubt, you're not you're not worrying about the the budget or anything like that. You know, you're you you get to go run a room and be the head coach of your room, and uh, was you know an incredible opportunity for me to 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 get to go be a division for make that jump from Division Three Division One. My my, I remember. When I got the call from Jay Hobson, the, the head coach, I broke down and cried in my office just when I got it because, you know, I always wanted to be a Division One coach. As a as a as a player, I always wanted to play Division One college football, and that never materialized. You know, I, I I wasn't I wasn't good enough to play Division One college football. So I I told my when I started coaching, I said, you know, hey, I, I want to coach at the Division One level. You know, and you go through years of doubt and it, took, it was five years in division three before I got that opportunity of just swinging away, swinging away, swinging away. And you, you, there's a lot of doubt. Like, am I good enough to even coach at the division one level? Is that, and then finally that opportunity arises and uh, it was just a overwhelming of emotions uh, to get to Southern Miss, to get to be part of such a story program like them and to get to take over a position. Now, and I'm forever grateful to Jay Hobson for taking a shot on a D3 guy. You know, that, that's, you, you got to be able to justify you know, hiring at that level, a, a small college guy, you know, and he uh, he didn't listen to the critics or listen to anybody. He he, he got me up there. I, I'll never forget that interview. He didn't tell me anything about it. <laughs> he just said, be there at 8 a.m. That was there at 7.30. And uh, we went in a room. He threw me a marker and said, get on the board. And I was on the board, proceeded to be on the board for uh, four or five hours. I remember being starving and, and just it didn't matter we talked ball like I've never talked ball before in my life and uh drew a, and I was, I was you know I was interviewing for the inside receivers job and uh we're talking we spent three hours talking old line play you know what I mean so we, we were we were going at it man and it was a awesome opportunity I, I learned more football being with him and being at that level um and and again about recruiting and just everything in those four years I needed those four years to really you know as an assistant, because I've never been an assistant coach before. I've always been a coordinator or a head coach, and I needed those. And there was times where, again, I'm, I'm just used to being in control. I'm used to running it my way, doing these things. And there was a lot of urges for that, right? But I, I was there. God put me there for a reason to sit back, hey, slow down. You're not quite ready yet to take this next step. You need to learn. 
And I sat there and took notes every day. I learned, I, I said that in my program one day, I'll do that, I will not do that. You know, and I just learned every day and, and d developed every day and put in four hard years of, of work and then and extremely blessed for this opportunity at Austin P. you know, when it came up and I felt ready, you know, uh, when, when this opportunity came up because of my preparation uh, at Southern Miss. All the people who have helped you, who have seen something in you along the way, Coach Hobbs and Coach Ergel, all these different people. Yeah. Does that does that cause you to to take second and third looks at guys who you know maybe the pedigree isn't there on paper, but something else is. A hundred percent, two hundred percent. I got a heart for small college coaches. I got a heart for uh, even some high school because I know there's some high school coaches out there that can coach college ball. There, there's no doubt about it in my mind. But you can never judge a book by its cover. If you get caught looking at resumes and just looking at, hey, who's been in the SEC, who's been in that, you're going to overlook a ton of guys. You know, there are great coaches that are grinding, working up for an opportunity. It's all about, again, you know, not just where you've been, but what you've done, you know, what's your, you know, what, what, like, what's your work ethic? What's your, you know, what's your mentality? And you can tell that about a person real quick when you meet them. And, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, no, it is, definitely been a big thing for my evaluations in not taking anything for granted and, and really giving people a chance and seeing what they're about. When you got the interim tag at Southern Miss in amongst all of this, yeah. how it's, – it's I know it's got to be a difficult time to be the head coach, but at the same time it's a massive opportunity to lead a storied program. Just how grateful were you for it? Extremely grateful. Uh, Jeremy McLean gave me that opportunity to step in as the interim, and uh, God, just uh, the, was incredibly blessed. I mean, he he asked me when he brought me in. He asked me, uh, "Is that something you you want to do?" I was like, "Yeah." He took me 0.25 seconds to say yes. Absolutely, that's what I want to do. Um, so I was. Uh, it was a very obviously difficult. Uh, situation is everybody's deals with it with COVID and, and, and stepping in an interim role and I give those kids and that staff all of the credit in the world. They bought in in a short period of time when they didn't have to and uh, obviously um, you know leaving them was extremely hard and, and uh, you know this season you know mid-year I, I, I hated that the, the timing of everything but I'm so fortunate to be here and, and blessed to be at Austin P. but the, obviously the timing you know you hate to leave you know because uh, any other normal year we're not going through this situation but right. this is not a normal year as we know um, but obviously it was a very uh, a very unique experience and again I learned a ton I felt prepared for my time at ETBU and then we just you know with this COVID stuff you got to roll the punches and always have a plan that's you know always have a plan of attack always be thinking worst case scenario which I'm, I'm kind of a worst case scenario guy I always like to you know think of okay if this happens then we're going this route I mean we played North Texas and that game we won I mean you know we, we were that morning finding out we were losing players of the you know day of the game and things like that and so you know we had to we got the other coaches that had to devise a plan on the fly like of special teams of how we're going to do this if he goes down and I mean we're not even you know just relaxing watching college football on that Saturday we were ga we were game planning on the day of the game and so you have to you, you have to just be able to adapt but it was a very obviously very difficult situation. Callie and Luca yeah <laughs> we've we've done the x's and o's around. tell me a little bit about the family yeah oh, no doubt they're my everything callie's my rock uh just she's she she's she's the she's the mvp man she is the she is the the one behind the scenes she's quiet soft-spoken the most uh caring person in the entire world and 
uh, I just so fortunate and blessed she stuck with me since high school. <laughs> you know, so I met her in algebra class uh, in uh, in Cleburne, Texas, and uh, you know I was bad at math and I needed I needed some help, so I asked the pretty girl and, instead of the guy over there in the corner. So, uh, and she uh, just has been. Uh, with me through thick and thin we've never you know we went to the same high school but we actually never lived in the same town uh because her you know they lived a town over but her mom worked at the high school so that's why she went there to Cleburne uh but we went to college we never went to the same college we were always far apart the whole time I was in Iowa she was at Tarleton State uh then I went to Hardin Simmons and uh she was at Tarleton State that's closest we got and then uh I went out to Sol Ross and that's away from everybody in in the world so you know she went to then she finished at North Texas and so we were about 10 hours apart and so uh you know there's just you know but but for her her faithfulness and um just the amazing you know woman of god she is and just her her love for luca and 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 me is is just uh indescribable and it's always kind of and i say my rock because uh you know, no matter what happens in football, where we, we, we have great success or we fail, she's always there. And Luca's always there, obviously, now that we've, you know, been blessed to add him in our lives. Uh, the biggest blessing ever. Uh, I remember she told me she's pregnant. You know, I was excited and scared all at the same time and overwhelmed with emotions. And, uh, you know, and, and now Luca's seven months old. And just to see, and man, it's just uh, uh, it's been an amazing experience to see uh, him grow and see him 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 evolve and and just how he's gotten bigger and he's got a personality now and uh, they they say that you know when you have a kid obviously that that you know you don't love any anything like your child I never really understood that but when when he came into the world uh, man it, that it's a love I can't describe and and it's he he's the, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me and and Callie and uh, but they're my everything and and they're 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 my why and they're 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 why you know I do this every day and I want to be a great father and husband to them and uh you know they're 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 awesome now you're here now i'm here expectations you're you're inheriting a program i know it's been a while since we hung the banner but we won a title last year no doubt how does that make you feel coming in yeah no doubt obviously uh extremely just uh extreme amount of respect for like coach Healy and coach Huspeth and, and what they've done here and what they've been able to, to, to do here at Austin P and uh, you know, the expectation is to find a way to take it to the next level. You know, that's, that's the way to build on what has been established here. You know, I told the team the other day that, you know, I'm not coming in here being naive saying, you know, we got to, flip this thing I mean in my opinion it's been flipped I mean just to be honest with you it's been flipped and so now my job is to come in and build on what's been established how can we be better how can we take it to the next level how can we go compete on an on a national scale and 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 compete for an OVC title year in and year out and those are the things that that I am to do you know I came here to win and you know to impact kids lives and, and to be um, a great uh, just influencer and that's what I want to do and I think when you come here and you aim to be a positive role model and aim to be uh, build relationships with kids and love on kids. I think the winning just is a is a you know it's a byproduct of your culture. You know it's a byproduct of what you're doing. And so I, we're going to do things the right way. And uh, you know I think the wins are going to come and, and all those celebrations will come. But the focus is going to be to get in here and find out our not just our strengths but our weaknesses and find out where we got to get better how we can get better and how we can build on what's been established here and i'm incredibly excited to do that do you feel pressure 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think we all feel pressure. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys. I mean, I put an immense amount of pressure on myself. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's just who I am. If I was taking over a Owen, you know, sixty-seven program, you know, I would still. Once upon a time, it's pretty close. To <laughs> so I would feel an immense amount of pressure there. If I took over the, the defending national champions, I'd feel an immense amount of pressure there. I, that's just who I. That's kind of who I am. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, I'm I, I'm a guy that puts a you know a lot of pressure on myself because I have high expectations of my myself and I have high expectations of wherever I'm at whether I'm coaching high school ball or coaching here at division one football at Austin P the expectation is going to be high you know and, and the standard is always going to be incredibly high and so I think when you have those expectations you know there's natural forms of pressure you know that uh, you know that 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 materialize and and I think I think that's a good thing here's the point where I give you an option you could either Sell yourself, sell your vision of the program, or you can ask my James, answer my James Lipton esque <laughs> questions that everybody answers every week. <laughs> you know, um, do I got to answer all of them? I mean, I guess you could pass on them. I could, I could pass on some of them, I guess. I, I, you either got to be all in, you got to be all out, right? Yeah. Ah, all right, put me through the test, man. Let's, all right. Let's do it. Coach Walden, what is your favorite word? <sighs> favorite word, relentlessness. What is your least favorite word? Apathy. Who or what inspires you? My mom inspires me. She's my hero. What's the last book you read for fun? Uh, in a Pit with a Lion in a, on a Snowy Day by Mark Batterson. That's quite the title. Yeah, great book. You need to check it out. In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. Mark Batterson. Mark Batterson. Batterson. Phenomenal. What is your worst habit? Oh, man, worst habit. Oh, which one, right? You know, I mean, I mean, I'm a. There's several to choose from. If that's a question for Callie, Callie would tell you in a heartbeat. Um, probably my. Uh, this is probably my atten uh, attention span. Sometimes, you know, uh, I, I tend to I tend to try to multitask too much, and I get fixated on too many different things instead of uh, focusing on one thing. What app on your phone gets the most use? You know, I so I eliminated uh, Twitter and Facebook from my phone. I still have it. I put it on my iPad only so I don't freaking sit scroll. there. Yeah, man. And uh, you, you waste so much time on that thing. I, but I, I would say the, you know, other than your text messages, uh, probably the app that gets the most use is probably my email, probably my Gmail account. It sounds totally lame, and that's how I know that I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm getting older. <laughs> What's the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Yeah. Um, we had a scare with Luca uh, when he was about three uh, – Three three days old. His third night. It was the third night, and he had a just long story short had a brief scare. His outlet alarm went off, and his oxygen level had really dropped, and he wasn't really responsive. So we we uh, we threw him in the car and uh, zipped to the hospital as fast as possible. And thank God, you know, just just big blessing. No, nothing was wrong. He I, he I think he just got might have got choked up on something, and and uh, his heart was fine. Everything was fine, but by far the most terrifying moment of my life when uh, when he wasn't responding. What is your idea of happiness? Being around people that I, that I enjoy being around, family. What is your idea of misery? Mm. Not giving it my all. What makes you self-conscious? Mm, that's a great one. That's a great one. Uh, Might have to come back to that one. Might, might, might pass, come back to that one. I got to th think on that one. All right. 
What is the most embarrassing song you love? Oh man, uh, there's there's several. I don't know if it's embarrassing, but the Stone Cold Steve Austin interest music is off the chain. I don't know if that's embarrassing. Not to some people, it might be embarrassing. I'd uh, not be embarrassed by that. Person. I'm not. I mean, I'm not embarrassed, but I, I guess to other people. Oh, let me think here, man. Look, man, Taylor Swift's got some freaking bangers, man. I ain't gonna lie, she's. I, She's got some great ones. I mean, like Style by Taylor Swift is probably, I mean, that's, that's you know, I just, you know, that's my jam. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a good one. It's a good one. My wife's going to kill me on that one, but it ain't a bad one. How would you prefer to die? Woo! That's a deep one there, boss. Deep one. I, I would probably say on the football field. Be honest, just die, die, die doing what you love. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Man, man. Tell you what, man. That is a deep question. I'd probably like to come back as like some type of eagle or something, man, so I could like fly around to different places and see stuff, man. That'd be pretty sweet. Be pretty cool. What might prompt you to lie? Man, that that would have to be if something was threatening, like my fan or I felt like my family or somebody close to me was in danger, and I had to lie to get out of the situation or something like that, or somebody I cared about. You know, I definitely would. Have to think about that. What makes you hopeful? The Lord. What is our purpose in life? I think doing more for others than we do for ourselves, and and putting God first. Always wrap it up with a look towards the future. You just got here. Don't want to put too much pressure on you. <laughs> You're thirty. You got your whole career ahead of you, basically. What are your long-term goals? I, I'm living it. I'm a Division One head football coach. That's my dream. It's like I told the guys yesterday when I talked to the team that I like I'm living my dream in front of you guys right now. I mean that's you know I mean so I, I I'm honestly and I, I mean this uh, there's you know and you know when you get a new job I was like oh well think about the few think about I'm where my feet are I'm I, I'm I'm gonna be here at Austin P and and focused on doing the best job I can do for the governors and giving the people of, of Clarksville Tennessee and the and the people of Austin P a product they can be proud of on and off the field and that's where my whole. Uh, focus and my whole effort is going to go towards as long as I'm here. Well, Coach, we are so excited to have you. Can't wait to see what you guys are going to do this spring. Just thank you for joining us today. Thank you for, for coming and being part of our family, man. No, nah, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to be here. Callie, Luke, and I couldn't be more excited. Thanks for having me.